Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Golf Channel Podcast with Rex and Lav. Set your alarms, folks, because Anthony Kim is returning to professional golf. He will tee off with the Live Golf League Friday morning in Saudi Arabia at 3.15 a.m. Eastern Time alongside Cam Smith and Graham McDowell. It took 12 long years to get here, but now that we actually are here arriving at this point, Rex, what do you make of what we have seen from AK so far on social media, on Instagram, on X, on YouTube, all the things relating to AK's return? Based on my experiences so far on this Anthony Kim comeback, someone's going to have to explain in detail to Cam Smith on that first tee. I'm sorry, he's been away for the game how long? <laughs> and he did what 12 years ago? And he hasn't played since. <laughs> and he didn't die? Like all of the things that you would think that someone of that age, and, and I've ran into this that, I think I said this during the podcast uh, on, on Monday morning, that my son is a junior in college. And like it was crickets. Like we were driving up to Hilton Head and I asked him like, give me everything you know about Cam Smith and nothing, just crickets. He thought he, you know, he might play basketball for the New York Knicks. And I'm like, nope, try again. Yeah, like he, he's in golf. I'm going to help you out along those lines. So I think there's going to be a Smith, learning- Cam Smith, this is a perfect example, turned pro in 2013 you can kind of mark the passage of time any number of ways you, you know tiger woods hadn't had a back injury yet jordan spieth uh, hadn't yet gotten on the pga tour but cam smith the 2022 open champion had not yet turned pro as well and now they're playing alongside each other in Jeddah, of all places that's where this comeback is actually starting yeah i mean i, I kind of i'm with you on that one I kind of questioned that one but uh the one that stood out and twofold that stood out to me one i think we've both seen the videos which by the way we're, we're kind of a low rent organization when it comes to this i would love to be able to, to, to slap some videos in over top of this because the the video of him hitting balls and doing you know the, the brief interview walking down the fairway in a girl dad t-shirt that looks a little bit too big for him and vans and a hat that was clearly just handed to him off the shelf and a ponytail coming out the back like that is chef's kiss like did nothing screams this particular comeback like that scene more than that. I, I I was blown away by the idea of him interacting with Pat Perez on the range. Like that was almost comical in itself. Cause even Pat like seemed like had to kind of stop and do a double take. And here's Pat's a man of a certain age. He played with AK. So that took a minute, but I will say this just to, to finish this, this kind of funny segment off, because I, I do think this is the funniest part. We have a mutual friend that's in the golf business. He just graduated from the university of Florida. He's probably mid twenties, 26, maybe. What's up, Somewhere- Joey? Uh, what's up, Joey? Uh, it, 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 he, he loves golf. Like he's passionate about golf. And he called me this morning and his comment to me was, what's wrong with Anthony Kim's face? And I go, <laughs> and I go, uh, age, like 
see what time hath wrought is essentially what's wrong with his face. And I go, think of it this way. Exactly. And I go, imagine me being on a podcast 12 years ago, 12 years younger, all of the things, all the life experiences and headaches and everything I hadn't dealt with. And I just fell off the edge of the cliff. Like you never saw me again for 12 years. And suddenly this pops back up. Everyone's going to be asking the exact same question. What in the world is wrong with Rex's face? The answer is age. I mean, he looks exactly, he looks exactly like I thought that he would look like warming up on the range. I think this is actually when the walk and talk video was shot with the, with the t-shirt. He was wearing vans. He was wearing like tube socks. He has an arm sleeve tattoo. He's 38. Now he looks weathered. Like his face is a little bit uh, rounder. Certainly like you can tell he's had some hard years over the past dozen years, (laughs) kind of hitting it hard. And now he's back in professional golf. The the one thing Rex that has stood out to me, actually there's, there's probably a couple, which is why we're going to be digging into this. He has not had, and he will not have a pre-tournament press conference. That alone stands out. Now I'm sure he'll probably do some sort of friendly sit down with David Faraday, who's part of the broadcast team. And they'll air that at some point over the next 48 hours. At least that's my, expectation but it's also a little weird that players aren't being asked about him in press conference setting it's it's basically this carefully curated videos that we see on social media and that's it there's a there's there's clearly a protective cocoon that surrounds him even just the official announcement of his return on wednesday of tournament week when it's a been rumored for weeks and 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 b we've already seen like signage of of, of, of him on the range and him hitting balls on the range. So I'm not sure what the delay is there. I was struck by the, the minute and a half walk and talk that appeared on live golf's YouTube uh, page on Wednesday morning. And he said, Anthony Kim did that. He will tell his story when it's the right time. But right now uh, he's, he's, he's purely focused on golf. He also said he's ready to go. I'm not sure why he would say anything different uh, and that he doesn't know many of the players anymore, but quote, He's here to bust everyone's ass. Uh, so that stood out uh, because the old swagger say that on the podcast has not gone away. Direct quote. I would not say that personally uh, without direct quotes. Got it. Uh, but, but since I'm just trying to be journal- journalistically factual. Try to save yourself. That's where we're gonna, how we're going to do. He also concluded, Rex, I think somewhat curiously, the video by saying, quote, hello, haters. I'm back. Who's hating? Who's hating? Who, who is hating on Anthony Kibb? Like he and I are, are almost the same age. He's he's two years older than I am. Like I grew up watching him. I think everyone liked his style of play. Everyone found him a refreshing change of pace. By all accounts, he treated people uh, very well. Whether it was folks like you in the media or or fans in in like in these past dozen years, I'm not sure anyone. There's been this shroud of mystery, but everyone is clamoring for him to return. But all of a sudden, hello haters, I'm I'm back. No one's no one's hating. Absolutely no one's hating. Uh, This is why I think this is going to be difficult for Anthony on a number of levels. And you pointed out this morning when the press release came through that he's playing the rest of the season, which is a little curious to me as well, because you don't know. He doesn't know what he's going to have physically. He doesn't know his game. He doesn't know if, and again, this is just 54 holes in a a bit of a lighthearted environment, more so than what he would face on the PGA tour. But still 12 years away is kind of tough to come back from. If he thinks whatever's happened up till this point is hating, and he shows up this week and lays a big egg and shows up in a couple weeks in Mexico and lays a big egg. And this goes on for a couple of events. Then he's really going to learn what hating is. I mean, then social media is going to turn on him. Then it's going to get very, very ugly. And I'm curious how long he has any interest in that. 
whatsoever because it, it, I'm, it's nice to get paid at this point in your career. And I will give Live Golf points for winning this one. This is another win for them, in my opinion. Totally. You're buying a personality here. You're buying a reason for people to tune in to an event that's going on on the other side of the globe, at least a certain segment of the audience, because I want to watch. I'm with you. Like I set my alarm clock. I'm like, yeah, I kind of want to see how this turns out. Like, is he, is he the same guy? He clearly has the same swagger, but does he have the same sort of swing and everything that goes along with it? I, I will say, and our, our colleague, Doug Ferguson, who usually is, is the no fun league and, and he kind of takes the fun out of everything. In this particular case, he did provide some interesting context when everyone was saying that, oh, he won three times, Anthony Kim did, before he was 25 years old. Fergie was real quick to point out that Colin Morikawa did that more so, won more tour titles, including a major championship. Jordan Spieth did that more so, with more titles and more major championships. So it's not as though what he did was in itself unprecedented, impressive, however you want to say it. It's the way he did it. And so that's the part that you want to see. Flair, charisma personality on a tour that is that is largely vanilla i thought joel beal our, our buddy at, at golf digest he he wrote a he wrote a column and he and he kind of got dragged for it uh, on social media i think kind of unfairly but he said anthony kim is not who you thought he was essentially saying yes it was it was phenomenal while it existed but he he burned out as quickly as he kind of flashed onto the scene that the three wins came in quick succession but when he was at the tail end of what what is now his, the first act of his career, you know he was battling assorted injuries to his Achilles tendon, uh, his wrist, his hand. He was he was struggling with the driver yips, and that's kind of what drove him away from the game. That's why he has been such a recluse over the past dozen years, uh, a, a, among other reasons, and potentially some some financial implications as well that we have not gotten a, a whole lot of context. About I I'm I'm with you that I think it's very interesting that he is going to be a wild card player for the remainder of the year. This is not a one off. This is not a kind of a, a three event series to see how it goes and then kind of reassess in the summer. This is this is full commitment, not just from Live to Anthony Kim, but from Anthony Kim to Live. And depending on how he's playing, this could either look genius or or horrible. By, by summertime, either he reestablished himself as a world-class player, which we do not have many examples in sports history uh, that, that pretend that possibility. Many. many. Or, or. Give me the or, others on the list. Well, Eamon, Eamon, Eamon. brought up Bjorn Bjorg, who uh, was a obviously a highly accomplished tennis player, left the game, quote-unquote retired at age 25. And when he came back a decade later, it was horrible. I actually, I actually went back and looked at, at his results. He did not win a single match upon his return from competition, playing a, a decade later uh, after his uh, kind of mysterious dis- disappearance. So either AK is going to do the unthinkable, do something that's unprecedented, or or he's going to further the notion that live golf is kind of this meaningless exhibition, kind of based on gimmickry, and that. That does not. That is not what Liv is hoping for. But it's it's hard to see the possibility that he comes out guns blazing and, and starts shooting sixty fours and sixty fives. I've said it a couple times. I said it on the roundtable on Monday when Eamon brought up the idea. Like I can't find a, another comp in sports of someone who walked away after twelve years. And you're right, Bjorg, that Bjorg might be the best one. But then after I said that, someone who had been watching our roundtable mentioned it to me right afterwards that Dave Chappelle is probably the best comp. Like here's a guy that did walk away. <laughs> 
what? At the height of his powers. Now, granted, not sports is a completely <laughs> different conversation, but it was kind of like th- that's the I think the lengths you have to go to to quantify exactly what he's trying to do. And to your point, it, it will be interesting. I I don't anticipate this happening. So if, if AK wants to dub me as a hater, I guess I'll, I'll go down that road. But what if he does come out? and has a good week this week, and then starts playing well. Next thing you know, he contends. I don't know, maybe sometime this year he wins. It'd be great. It'd be great. It would, it would be great. Golf fans would be going insane. And But even that, I think, would be a bit of a testament to live golf as well. Because here yes. you have a guy that's been away from the game for 12 years, and it was clearly dedicated and worked really, really hard to get back to where he was when he left over a decade ago. And suddenly he lands and he's winning or playing well or contending or whatever the case may be. Then everyone's going to turn the microscope back on the other players on live. Like, how come you're not? These guys stink. Yeah, like these guys stink. These guys stink. So you're right. It could go any number of ways for live golf. I said they got the win. And I do think they got the win on this one because I know for a fact that AK was in negotiations with, with officials from both the PGA Tour and live golf. And he was trying to get the best deal possible. And clearly, Live Golf offered him the best deal possible, money-wise. But I also say it's probably the best landing spot for all the reasons you pointed out. Because it's 54 holes, it's relaxed, he can fly a little bit under the radar, at least right out of the gates. I don't think that's going to be the case when he plays in Miami in a few weeks uh, in the next Live event. I think then everything's going to get ratcheted up. Because at that point, you just can't sort of brush off a friendly you know, videographer who's trying to get you to talk on a promotional video. This time you're sitting on a stage and you're going to get peppered with questions and you're probably not going to like that. Yeah, I was I was actually very curious to see who among us in the uh, in the in the dubbed corrupt golf media was going to be flying to Jeddah to cover Anthony Kim's return. It does not seem like many, at least based on the questions that we've seen so Did far anybody? in the in the in the pre-tournament press conference. I, I'm not sure. I, mm-hmm. I thought there would be a handful and probably if there was anywhere that he was going other than Saudi Arabia. Uh, Hong Kong is next week's tournament. We probably weren't going to Hong Kong either, but had this been in London, had this been in South Africa, had this been in Mexico, uh, I'm sure we would have had a golf channel presence there. Uh, but it does speak to kind of a larger point, Rex, and, and how they've shielded AK to this point, because with, without a, without a press conference, there, there is no context for, for his return. All we have is, is more questions. And maybe that's, that's, by design. I, I mean, he has been mysterious over the past dozen or so years. I believe he's only given one interview, and that was the aforementioned Doug Ferguson five or six years ago. Um, it only creates more intrigue. It only helps grow the legend of of AK, and that might be all this this thing is until we see how how it how it pans out. But without any explanation of where he's been, why he's back, what he wants to do what his future goals are at age 38, this does feel like an unserious sideshow. Now, we could be having a much different conversation in five days' time once we actually have 54 holes of results to, to analyze. But without him meeting the media or explaining himself, it's just something, something smells. Something smells a little bit, a little bit fishy. Well, and you say unserious sideshow. I would argue that's kind of live golf's lane, and that's not entirely fair. Please don't well, come at me. All but, they're, but they're trying to—they're trying to change that narrative because at the same time that they're—they're they're trumpeting this need for official world golf ranking points, and we'll certainly get to Taylor Gooch's comment here in in a second. They also have added John Rahm, most notably Terrell Hatton, 
Adrian Moronk. Like they are putting together a roster of serious world-class players who have aspirations to do great things in golf. And so they're they're trying to traffic in both lanes here. And Eamon asked me during the roundtable on Monday on Golf Today, doesn't this kind of hit at the credibility of Liv? I said, in a perfect world, Liv would be trying to do both. You would try to be accumulating as many stars as you can for a competitive product while also kind of pandering or tailoring your product to kind of the casual sports fan or the guy who remembers AK from, from 2010 and, and wants to see that again. I think you can have both ways. And, and again, like the PJ Tour would have bent over backwards to try and get him in their, in their tournament. So I don't, I don't think that criticism is necessarily fair but it does come at an interesting time in, in Liv's history when it's trying to establish its credibility, when they're still fighting the OWGR battle that you do bring someone who hasn't played in 12 years. I, I get what you're saying. And that's why I think right now Liv Goff takes the W because right now there is no chance for them to lose because this is going to go any number of ways. And one way is probably the, the easier way to predict, which is he's going to struggle. No, no one comes back after 12 years away and finds a way to compete against the best players in the world that that would be hard for AK or if he comes back and somehow finds that magic, as we just addressed, that's probably not going to look good for live golf. No, I, I think this is perfect because you're right. They're trying to sort of push that narrative that look, this is, is this is every bit the same competitive golf that they have on the PGA tour. It just comes with a flair. It comes with a lot of music. It comes with shorts, all of the things comes with teams comes with teams. And, and, like, and Anthony Kim is not part. It should be noted. It's not part of this team competition. He's playing the next, I think 11, live tournaments or 10 live tournaments as an individual accruing points to try and earn status for 2025, but he's not a part of an established team. Yeah. So I think right now is the perfect time for them to leverage him. Uh, I am curious, like they could have owned this narrative. They could have been the ones with David Faraday or whoever else who sat down and, and had this story ready on Wednesday of this week, where you sat down and did a 30 minutes deep dive with, with AK, like, all right, let's, let's pick up where you left off 2012. You walk away, you get surgery. First, first question, what happened? Second well, yeah. question, where'd you go? Third question, what have you been doing? Why? Yeah. <laughs> like there's, it's like pretty easy. Yeah, you could just look, kind of wind him up and let him go. That to me would be number one, really good storytelling that all of us would, would tune in to watch and aggregate and put all over our websites and all over our airwaves and in our magazines because everybody wants to know. And it also would be a reason, again, to get more people to tune in to watch uh, an event that's on the other side of the planet because they are going after a segment of the audience. As I pointed out at the beginning, like there is a big segment of, of golf fandom right now that doesn't know who Anthony Kim is. And so if you had the opportunity to tell that story, to bring them in, to suddenly get them interested in the idea that, wait a minute, he walked away for 12 years? This, this dude hasn't played professional golf in 12 years? Like, it's such a good story, and I feel like they failed to leverage it properly. Or or it's a strategy to not do it. In, in other words, to, to, to shield him. What's the upside of not doing it? Shielding him? Yes, because it could be a spectacular disaster if he goes out and shoots 78-79 in these first couple of tournaments and it, 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 and it fails spectacularly. Oh, and I agree with you there as well. If he's contracted for the rest of the year, my guess is he's going to play out the rest of the year, regardless if, if he does end up playing bad, which again, which is what I think most people think is going to happen. I still see him finishing out the contract because there's still probably a lot of money to be made. I'm sure he doesn't turn away just because he's shooting rounds in the mid seventies. Yeah, it certainly will be interesting to watch again, three fifteen AM Eastern time. Rex, I know, uh, the night owl that you are, you probably won't even be going to bed. They will probably won't even go into bed. 
just pulling an all night bender to watch the return after 12 long years of Anthony Kim. We mentioned Taylor Gooch just a couple of minutes ago. If you were hiding under a rock, he had some controversial comments, I believe in the Australian golf digest talking once again about how antiquated the official world golf ranking has become when he said that quote, if Roy McIlroy goes and completes the grand slam without some of the best players in the world, there's just going to be an asterisk. It's just the reality. I think everybody wins whenever the majors figure out a way to get the best players in the world there. Now, Roy McIlroy took the high road on Wednesday at the Cognizant Classic in his pre-tournament press conference, essentially gave Taylor Goots the benefit of the doubt, said it was a, 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 a kind of a leading question. He was just basically confirming what the journalist who asked the question wanted him to answer. But look, there was a lot of dunking on Taylor Gooch on social media, which has become kind of habit. Has it not? Taylor Gooch did not know that you could not play just a single live event in return to the PGA tour. Taylor Gooch uh, compared the atmosphere of one of the initial live events uh, to better than the Ryder cup. And now this, the masterisk masters, because Taylor Gooch, among others, is not in the field. Rex, what was your reaction? Masterix. I like that. I like what you did there. Uh, he also sh- <laughs> he also showed up at Augusta National a few years ago in shorts for a private shorts. So, I mean, we can keep going down the list. I, I think Rory is correct. I am a little surprised he took the high road as much as he did, because that is – I do, do feel like Taylor was kind of dragging him a little bit on that front, because as most people – on X pointed out almost immediately that you could argue that John Rahm's victory last year, who's your colleague now at the masters should also come with an asterisk. Then if that's the logic you're going to use, if it's not the absolute best field in golf, then anything that gets won on either tour major championship doesn't matter. Everything should come with an asterisk. So his math is flawed on that front as well. I, I just, he, he has a point. If you just take the second part of his quote, and I guess that's sort of the definition of Taylor Gooch, is it not? Like if you can ignore the, the stupidity of his first sentence, which in normally it's, there's a lot of stupidity in the first sentence is going all the way back to, I thought I could just play in one live event. I don't believe that, by the way, you just said it as fact. I, I don't believe that was the case. I believe that was a, the easiest way for him to finish up that interview. It was at the open championship. I was standing there. I was the one that asked the question. I, I don't believe that. No, that's just not possible. There was too many. Does I, not it, seem like he's reading the fine print, though. Jay, it wasn't lie. even fine print. It's not Jay Monahan could not have been clear. Like we can accuse Jay of a lot it's of not, things. It's not. It's this. not fine print. It's actually like size forty-eight, bold, underlined, all caps. Yes, yes. So this is Truman wins across the top of a newspaper. For those, <laughs> I'm dating myself, but yes, it's a very, very big headline that he was ignoring or choosing to ignore on that front. So no, I don't believe that he thought that either. I. I but if you take the second part of the equation and if you just ignore the, the stupidity of the first part, he's absolutely right. Like we can all agree that we want the best players in the masters. We want the best players in the major championships. And I feel like Joaquin Neiman getting the invite is a really, really good first step. And I feel like that's opened a lot of people's eyes and maybe the PGA of America or even the USGA will start thinking about, no oh, man, like, do we really want to play a major championship without player X, Y, or Z? Like this was just X. But what if we also start looking, or they start looking at Y and Z as well? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. But to say it should come with an asterisk, just because you're not in it. And I think this was Eamon's take on the roundtable. And, and Eamon was a little bit yeah, harsher than I think you and I would would, would be on anyone, Shocking. but particularly on Taylor Gooch. Like, I just don't want my ally here. And I said this last year when he was upset about the USGA changing the rules and him not getting into the U.S. Open because – 
they changed their rules saying that not only did you have to qualify for the tour championship the previous season, but you had to play. And it was, had to it be was exempt. The, it, no, you had to play. It, it was the part. If you remember it, because he actually qualified for the tour championship more or less. But if you remember, he, he of course joined live golf and did That's not suspended. participate. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was sort of the qualifier that they put on that kept him out of the U S open. And he complained about it to anyone would listen and then didn't show up for qualifying or didn't sign up for qualifying for the U S open. You're like, Hey man, like if you really want to play, there are avenues. Like look at Joaquin Neiman has done over the last few months. If you look, Taylor Gooch hasn't played in a, in an event anywhere around the world that gets world ranking points since last November. Correct. Whereas Joaquin Neiman has played in five, I believe in one, one of them, he won the Australian open. So he at least put himself out there. He gave himself an opportunity to stay somewhat relevant in the world ranking. If Taylor Gooch really cares that much, he could have done the same thing. Absolutely. He certainly could. And I think as we discussed uh, on the podcast last week, there were, there were myriad reasons why Joaquin Neiman is in the masters, whether it was affiliation as a former Latin America amateur champion, uh, you know, being the, the best player from that particular region. That's so important to Augusta national uh, winning the Australian open with, with such a legacy and a history of that tournament, but also just going out of his way, as you said, to play other DP world tour events and try to get in via the, the established method which as of right now is the OWGR. There, there are a couple of points here that I think are, are interesting. It does follow, you were at Pebble, what Roy McIlroy said. And, and speaking of leading questions, this was another one that, that Roy faced at Pebble where he was asked, does a win in a signature event, even at a place like Pebble, feel at all cheapened by the fact that you don't have a DJ or a ROM in the field? And Rory's answer basically affirmed that and, and said that when you stand on 18 with the trophy in your hand, you want to know that you beat the best players in the world. That was essentially what Rory is saying. Now, right now, if you look at the major championships, is the OWGR right now a reliable way to measure who the best players in the world are? No, I don't think anyone can do it. I think dated golf does the best job that you possibly can. And I think there are four live golfers inside the top 50, according to their metrics, which rely a lot. Uh, on strokes gained i've said on this podcast numerous times i would love to see the majors take a step back re-examine the changing landscape and use some sort of qualification for live players just as they do other tours whether you take the the leading points earner which would have been taylor gooch from 2023 top three top five however they want to do it i do wish that they would do that but we're, we have to base this in reality and that seems very unlikely <laughs> the, the major organizations are the exact same folks who shot down Liv's OWGR request. But, so I say that right now in late February 2024. As it comes to qualification, the majors have not yet reached a breaking point, which is why I don't think they have made any changes. You know, no one views Taylor Gooch as a legitimate threat to win a major championship. He does not yet have a top 10 in a major in his career. Who else are we even talking about is potentially not getting in here? Like a Dean Burmester, a, yeah. a Lucas Herbert, who are other top... 100 players in the world whose ranking is sure to plummet now that they've signed up with Liv. And so you haven't reached a, a point yet, but you will over the next couple of years. Like I think back to Brooks Kepka. Had Brooks Kepka not won last year's PGA, his major exemption would have run out at the end of 2024. Bryson's major exemption runs out at the end of 2025. Dustin Johnson's major exemption runs out uh, at the end of 2025 to get in all four majors. Cam Smith's eventually will run out at the end of 2027. And so you are going to reach a point where marquee big name players who anyone 
with two eyes can can see that that they belong in major championships. They have a, a realistic shot to win them. But the majors have have the opportunity. They have the window to kind of bide their time and sit on their hands and say, hmm, this this will probably shake itself out. You know, some, something's going to happen with these two established tours. Why do anything right now? Exactly. That's the point. Like a year from now, we could be having a vastly different conversation about, oh, Taylor Gooch won last year's money list on the live tour. So yes, he, of course, he's going to qualify for all four majors this year because of where we're going to end up in professional golf. Then maybe we don't end up there and maybe they, a year or two from now, all of the major championships do have to decide, okay, we have to do something to adjust to this new reality. But I think in the short term, you're absolutely right. There is no reason to make any huge moves because right now the USGA could offer a special invitation to whomever they want. The PGA of America could do the same thing. My understanding is the RNA could as well. So if they really want, to get someone in the field, there is an avenue for them to do that. Just I like they did Paul Casey at the PGA. Absolutely. And I, I will go back to the idea of what Rory was asked at Pebble Beach. Then everything comes with an asterisk during this era. Like, it doesn't matter which tour you play or what tournament you win. It, it's going to come with an asterisk. That's what you're going to tell me. Like, we can't I, – I, I can't sit here and just pull up blank pages in the record book. Like, that's not a possibility. So – Yes, someone's going to have to win the Masters. If it's Rory, then it's going to be the career Grand Slam. No one 20 years from now is going to go back and roll their eyes and be like, well, the live players weren't there. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, once again, hilarious memes, hilarious dunking on Taylor Gooch. I understand it's low-hanging fruit. You and I would not would never stoop that level on X uh, because we are professional. But I highly encourage everyone. You don't go, go on X. It doesn't even do, matter. Uh, I, exactly. It's just there for scrolling purposes late at night. And Taylor Gooch actually was, was responding to some folks uh, on X, if you're interested. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. In those sort of defenses. Rex, finally, I did want to get into the policy board meeting that happened on Monday. Uh, apparently a marathon policy board meeting ahead of the Cognizant Classic. Uh, Roy McIlroy is playing uh, this week's event, long time, five or six years uh, since he has been in this field. Although he is no longer a part of the policy board, it does always seem like he has his finger on the pulse. But the news that came out was a Webb Simpson, a wide-ranging interview with GolfWeek.com in which he talked about the potential of the PIF deal, which is now extended two months past that December 31st deadline, everyone thinking this was going to be getting done uh, ahead of the Masters or even potentially the no. Players' Championship. No, no, no. no. Everyone, 
Everyone was like it's going to happen. I think optimistically, some people mentioned probably Keith Pelly was the one who got the ball moving, saying that when he announced he was stepping down from the DP World Tour, he suggested that he's leaving essentially the first week of April, right, right around the Masters, that he feels like something was going to get done. Most people internally will tell you that was being optimistic as well. Everyone agreed that December 31st last year was being wildly optimistic, but that was, we talked about that. That was just a placeholder. I, I think more realistically, we can look towards the end of this year, if not midsummer, somewhere in there for a lot of different reasons, because I just don't think, and I laid this out last night on Golf Central, there's there's three hurdles when it comes to this particular deal. And one of them has to do with just trying to negotiate a multi-billion dollar deal, which comes with nuances and it's complicated. And Eamon Lynch pointed out correctly that there is a sort of a blueprint for that. The SSG deal that the PGA Tour signed last month, announced last month, that kind of creates this avenue for other investment. So in theory, you would sort of have a plug and play system in place that if you really wanted the PIF involved, so here's the avenue. This is what it would look like. This would be the investment. This would be the percentages. That would be relatively straightforward in, in the grand scheme of things. The other part of the equation is, as we know from the framework agreement, allowing the live players back onto the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour will be a big part of whatever a potential definitive agreement looks like. As we now know, being able to look players in the eyes, that's not going to be an easy sell. I don't think on either side. Like we, we're kind of focused on the PGA Tour side when Tiger Woods makes comments about, you know, that there has to be some sort of penalty to come back. You hear sort of rank and file players sort of screaming the same thing. I don't know how many live players even want to come back based on well, that's, polling I've done. That, but that's why it's so interesting because Webb Simpson said that essentially the conversations are centered around six players who are going to sure. be desirable to the PGA Tour. The rest are going to send a Q school, <laughs> the Corn Ferry Tour, DP World Tour, whatever you want to do. But those six players if we're keeping tabs on them now, are Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson, who are lifetime members. Phil comes with his own sort of baggage. And then you have Brooks Kepka, you have Cam Smith, you have Bryson DeChambeau, and you have John Rahm, all of whom have major exemptions. And I would say a lot of cachet with PJ Tour fans and PJ Tour players as wanting to welcome them back in the fold, not just for the quality of their play, but also I would think their popularity. I, I guess the, the question when reading that little excerpt, Rex, in the Webb Simpson interview was, does does incorporating those six players alone and no one else, like, is that enough to restore the PGA Tour's luster? It's, it's rightful place as the obvious preeminent golf tour, just those six players alone. Or are they still lacking some of the second and third level depth that's been that's been robbed of them with Live Golf's introduction? Well, you didn't let me get to the third item. So finding a way to allow the live players back is, 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 a, is a complicated part. Well, no, because this answers your question. And then the third part of this is investigators will have a say, federal investigators. The DOJ is still actively investigating the PGA Tour for antitrust violations. Just spoke with a player last week who had an interview with, with agents from the DOJ about possible antitrust violations. We know that the Senate is going to take a long, hard look at whatever a potential definitive agreement between the PGA Tour and the PIP are going to be. All of those things factor into what you just said, because I remember doing this story early last year. I think it might have been at the at the Honda Classic then last year, where there was kind of rumors of Brooks wanting to come back. There was some buyer's remorse and maybe he wanted to come back. And I remember talking with different players about this and having one player, Billy Horschel, telling me that, well, we could do it a la carte, that we could take the players we wanted and leave the players that we don't. And I remember laughing in his face. Because I was like, <laughs> you can't do that. Like, that's not the way this is going to work. And him pushing back saying, absolutely, we can do this. And now in retrospect, 
based on what I just said about federal investigators, they're not going to be able to do that. Like you can say we only want these six and the rest of you can go pound sand. I'm not quite sure where that saying comes from. Hmm. I'm not sure either. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you. It does seem highly unlikely that that would be. And again, if one of those players is is Phil Mickelson, who is actively recruiting players away from the PGA Tour to live golf, it's hard to imagine. They say, come on over, Phil. Everybody yeah. else, you go to Q school, you go to Europe, you do your thing. Phil, sure, you can you can be welcome back in the family. It, just, it can't a, be a la carte. Member. It's going to have to be a pathway for all, for one and all. And whatever that pathway is going to look like, maybe there's fines, maybe there's suspensions, percentages of what Lib paid you, whatever the case may be, then it's going to stand for everyone. Because anything that doesn't do that, that just zeroes in on the six players we want, the rest of them can just go play Q school or whatever the case may be, they're never going to allow that. And and trust me, the investigators, the DOJ, the Senate, they're going to have a big say in what this looks like. Like, I know that there's plenty of people in the audience that hate the idea of that. And why is... Why is the government getting involved in sports? Because the government is involved in sports across the spectrum. I mean, look what's happening with the NCAA right now. So, of course, if there is going to be a deal with the Saudis and the PGA Tour, the federal regulators will have a say in it, and they would never go for that. And the whole point is to bring all of the best players in the world together again, not just kind of a a cherry-picked half dozen. And Like, do you really not want Andy Ogletree back? Or... I guess, period, because he was never part of the, the, but would you not, like, here's an up and coming young player who I was like, yeah, all right, they got one of the young players. Like, you really don't want to create an avenue for him to come back? Right, like, that's that's why I think this is not the the road that they should should be pursuing, because yes, Liv has definitely taken, I would say, a lot of, like, top 50 depth. You look at the official World Golf rankings of the players who left, when they left, and what the ranking was. You're like, we're talking about Joaquin Neiman, we're talking about Terrell Hatton, Patrick Reed, Sergio Garcia, Louis Oosthuizen, uh, Adrian Moronk, Taylor Gooch. And and so that has kind of robbed the tour of that second and third level of depth that makes it feel like the best tour in the world. But also, that doesn't even make mention of the young guys, whether it's the, the Caleb Surratt, who has, has been pretty impressive uh, in his limited time so far with Liv, David Pooge, uh, who, who just had a, a, a breakaway win uh, on the Asian tour, Eugenio Shikara, uh, won last year on Liv, like, are all of those guys replaceable with up-and-coming college studs? Maybe, probably. But if I'm the PGA Tour, I, I think I would want to welcome back and back into the fold and see just how good they can be. I think that's that's what it comes down to. The the, the whole point is to is to get everybody back under the same umbrella and and picking and choosing just because they're popular with their peers, they have a certain amount of status, um, they finished high on the pip like. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. 
Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. To me, that's just a non-starter and not the way they should be pursuing it. Rex, what else is on your docket for the rest of the week? Somehow, somehow this midweek podcast record has gone longer than our recap pod from Sunday night. What uh, well, we did it Monday morning, and I had a tea time, so I think that that explains it. I, I don't think you need to dig any deeper. How'd you play? Uh, well, I had to stop halfway through the round to, to record the roundtable. Probably for the best. Uh, it probably was for the best. Actually, I had just uh, – I didn't get a chance to say this on air, but I had just part seven, which I thought was a minor miracle after almost hitting it into an alligator's mouth. So I thought that was – and then I got to skip eight, which is the hardest cor- uh, 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 hole on the course. And then I think I caught up with the group on by the time they were on 15. So it was fun. My son played with me. It, 15? It's yeah, man. That roundtable took a long time. You didn't notice this, and, and I don't want to throw anybody under the bus because he ended up being really nice about it. But during that roundtable – uh, the, the locker room attendant in the locker room at oh, Harbor Town, which he was yelling at me. Like I, you hmm. might've him, but you didn't hear him yelling at me. Cause that right before we came up live, he was having a conversation with someone else. And I had, trust me, I had asked Newton, I'd gone through multiple layers of people asking like, is it okay if I do this? I'm really, really sorry. Yep. Yep. No, it's fine. We'd love to have you whole nine yards. As I'm getting ready to come up and, and Eamon's introducing you and I, this gentleman is having a very large, loud conversation right behind me with someone else. And I, I thought I politely turned around and said, excuse me, gentlemen, I'm sort of in the middle. And he yelled at me for the first two minutes of that hit about this is a <laughs> locker room, not an office. <laughs> I and love then, that. I did, I, I did see an attendant taking out the garbage, which I thought was a fitting metaphor of when you're yeah. babbling on about God knows what. Uh, <laughs> but I did not hear – I did not hear any yelling. I did not hear any screaming. I did not hear any hostility. Uh, but kudos to you. He uh, stopped. He did. Not. He finally stopped when I think right next to me on the wall, right next to me was golf channel playing. And it was, you know, it's about 30 seconds or 15 hmm, seconds that's, behind. That's you. Hey, that's you. I think that's when he finally like put two and two together and stopped yelling at me. Cause it was, it was, it was two minutes into, and I, I'm sweating bullets trying to listen to Eamon ask whatever it is Eamon ask. Cause it, it's always a, that let's peel back the curtain. Like Eamon is a, he, he's a loose cannon. Like we can both conspiracy that, theorist. Like. Yeah, like we can both agree on that, right? Like he's he, when he asked me the question to compare Tiger Woods' rain, rain is what he called it, on the PGA Tour policy boards to I think the dictator of North Korea. That's when I I went stumbling and bumbling into the night because I couldn't get away from that question fast enough. That was just that was that was an all time that was that was one of the moments of the year, twenty twenty four, in golf channel history, com- comparing Tiger Woods' undefined rain as a policy board of director. Stella. Hello, Stella. She's feeling fresh after her uh, grooming. Rex, my grills are accumulating dust and cobwebs have not used them much this week. And on Thursday and Friday, I'm heading to Orlando for my sister-in-law's wedding. And then I'm heading up to sunny Connecticut to co-host Golf Today. And so we're putting all of our faith and trust in you. What is on the grill? Uh, I actually took out, I, I wanted to see what was in the freezer. You don't do this. Like when I smoke a pork butt, I only smoke half of it only because like my pit barrel really isn't big enough for the whole thing. And also no one's going to eat the whole thing. So between that and I had two racks of ribs that were freezing uh, and then I'm going to do chicken wings. I literally, I just needed to get them out of the freezer. So once they thaw out, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, that's what I'm going to do. Are we playing golf on Friday? He mutes because Stella is yet. Yeah, no, we are not playing golf. Uh, Winter okay. Park Nine, which we helped uh, the revi- the revitalization, helped put it on the map. Uh, they are two booked out. Uh, Dubs Dread Two, another classic course in Orlando that you and I have played several times together, uh, is unavailable 
at the time. And so, no, we'll not be playing golf. And said, I'll be drinking and waiting until the five o'clock wedding party. Not that I'm too upset about that. Uh, folks, that is going to do it for this edition, finally, because my dog is about to bark. Edition of the Golf Channel podcast with Rex and Lab. We'll be back on Sunday evening. I'll be in the wonderful residence in in Stanford, Connecticut to recap the Cognizant Classic, Roy McElroy's performance there, as well, of course, as Anthony Kim's performance on Live. It should be a meaty, a beefy podcast, and hopefully I don't shoot all the bullets that I will save for Monday's golf today. But in the meantime, you guys know the drill. Make sure you go to NBCSports.com slash golf for the latest news, notes, and features and commentary from the world of golf. It should be a compelling week in the golf world. We're here for you. We can't wait to break it all down in a couple of days. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.